0: Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you are listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each and every week, we bring you a woman who can help you in so many ways in your life, from passion to finding, finding the real you, finding that authentic self, uh, women that can help you with your health, staying healthy staying on top of your game. And, of course, we want to stay fit and vital at any age. And most of all, many of us are wanting to reinvent ourselves, moving from one stage in our life to the next, but finding something that really, really excites us and keeps us going and keeps us really, really making a difference. And finding that passion and finding that purpose and really making sure that our lives make a difference. And I truly believe that the women that we connect with in these conversations, women that we connect for good with, can really help us all to see how each and every one of us can make a difference and change the world and make it a better place. And then in this particular week, we're going to talk to a woman, Rebecca Tinsley. You know, it's been my privilege in recent months to meet many women who are working very hard to change the world. And these women know, and these women have chosen to follow their hearts and dedicate their time, their treasures, and their talents to making the world a better place for all of us. And and it's serious business. They really, really, uh, their hearts are huge. My amazing guest today is one of those women. Her name is Rebecca Tinsley. Rebecca has made her life's work to defend human rights in the parts of the world where they are most abused and most needed, and most little is known about this, so bringing this information to the public is so very important. In her work as a journalist, BBC reporter, and human rights activist, Rebecca has visited nine African countries. After reporting about the genocide and atrocities being practiced in Sudan, she founded Waging Peace, a London-based organization that champions and campaigns against champions and campaigns and helps people with human rights and human rights and human rights and, and against all types of human abuse. She also founded Network for Africa, a charity that works with the survivors of genocide after the big aid agencies move on. Rebecca and her husband started the Care Center UK at President Mrs. Carter's request. She was also on the Human Rights Watch London Committee for seven years and has attended human rights trials in Turkey on their behalf. Rebecca is a founder and a director of the Rwanda Girls' School. Now that the world is no longer watching Darfur, Darfur, Rebecca has set out to reopen our eyes and to make sure we know what's happening to people, the people there. She wrote a novel called When the Stars Fall to Earth. She chose to write the novel because she could tell the stories of the real people and protected their identities but wanted to make sure that we understood their trials and their tribulations And how it's so very, very important for us to care and to do something about this. Please help me to welcome Rebecca Tinsley, a remarkable writer, a human activist, human rights activist, to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being with us today. Okay. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, you're in London and I'm in the United States, but uh, again, this is a global issue and it's a global uh, problem that we all need to be aware of. And your book is amazing, When Stars Fall to the Earth. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank
1: you very much for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. Um, I had the opportunity to go to the UN in February of 2011, just this last uh, February, and, and I went uh, on, at, as a delegate to a commission on the status of women, and I think it's it's something that unless we really start to hear the global issues that are going on around the world, uh, we really sometimes have our head in the sand when it comes to issues that are really affecting people as far as human rights, and your story is so very, very valuable, and that's really where I'd like to start is by you Telling your story and how you became uh, to this point, how you came to this point in your life and the book and what you're doing today, and, and it's so very important.
1: Uh, well, my interest is uh, is in how people, and especially women, um, cope in situations where there's been a war or a genocide and how they rebuild their lives. And it, it is usually the women who do the rebuilding. That is the extraordinary thing about females all over the world is that they find the capacity somehow and and usually they don't think they're capable of this at the beginning of the drama they go through but somehow they find an inner strength and they find the capacity to carry on and to meet the challenges and i really think there's a universal message there for all of us uh... in our own lives uh... and i have been very inspired in the places i have worked in bosnia in rwanda uh, uganda and uh, and in the Sudan, I've been inspired by the, the the stories that women have shared with me, and I felt um, that it, it that all of us could benefit from identifying with them and being inspired by them. and that's why uh, I came to the point where I decided to write when the stars fall to earth. And I should add that I was asked to write this by Women I interviewed in Sudan in the refugee camps because they made uh, the, the pretty sort of uh, obvious point that they were busy trying to stay alive, uh, and they would appreciate it if somebody would tell their story. And I have to say that I, I said to them, "But you know, uh, I'm North American. How could I? And I'm white. How could I possibly?" Yeah. Understand your situation. You know, I, I kind of won the jackpot when I was born because I was born white and healthy and North American. Mm-hmm. But um, they said, "Well, but you're here and nobody else is, so please go away and tell the tell the world about about what we're living through."
0: Mm-hmm. And and I think that's part of it. That you know, it, we are we have become a society where we're instant information. But again, that information is based on uh, again, who decides? The media decides what, what's important, or what's timely, or what's interesting, or what's exciting. You know, it's unfortunately very sad that we hear about misfortunes and horrific things going on in our world, but uh, something else will take its place. You know, like Japan, for example. Uh, we heard about the disaster there, and we 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 felt the pain. We we s- sent our support. And soon that went away, and and I guess that's something that's something similar to what's been going on in Sudan in this area is, is that uh, you know Darfur and some of the things that we heard originally as far as some of the horrific uh, things that were happening to especially the women and the children, uh, but again the women for sure, but again this cleansing that was taking place and again the the killing and the and the raping and the plundering, uh, you know we stopped hearing about it. So I think people then start to believe you know oh i guess everything's okay now you know and and i guess what what your message is is that you know we need to know what's going on out there but and we need to know that there there are some wonderful people out there really helping and really coming together but we need more of that
1: well, you're right. We have attention deficit disorder when it comes to issues around the world and we're also very easily distracted by the complete irrelevance in our lives like our consumer culture, right. you know, and reality television and and really just the trivia. And, and it always astonishes me when I um people say to me it must be such a, a a culture shock going to Africa. But you know the truth is the culture shock is when I come back to our yeah. society. And people will tell me in all sincerity, that they had a terrible day because they had such a trouble finding a parking spot. And, yeah. you know, it, it just is, it makes me realize how detached we have become from the essence of humanity. But, uh-huh. you know, it, it isn't uh, – I, I also think that we don't tell the positive stories coming out of the developing world. We don't, for instance – talk about the fact that two-thirds of Africans don't have AIDS and they're not starving and they don't right. live in a war zone. Right. You know, that there are individual heroes whose names we will never know. Um, and, and, you know, for every act of horribleness and selfishness and vileness in a war or in a genocide, I promise you there is a corresponding act of decency and courage yeah. Uh, yeah. and selflessness. You know, and we, we need to think about those stories as, as well as the horror stories that make us somehow feel that we pity people, yeah. without recognizing their incredible resourcefulness and yeah. strength.
0: Yeah, I, I do a lot of crisis response work, and and uh, I, I've you know witnessed again, you know, along with the, what you witness as far as a tragedy, you see a triumph, and and people, you know, I, I've said this many times before that it's it's a privilege to do this type of work or be a, in the presence of of this of this process because people during the worst of times can be at their very best you know because their strengths and all those those values and those character uh, you know that that passion and compassion comes out at such a level that it, it really it really does remind us once again of our humanness and it also reminds us of our connection with one another which which again i think we can't ever ever forget is that if anyone is struggling or anyone is triumphing, we all triumph or we all have we all have our part in that somehow
1: that's right, and equally, we are all diminished if we ignore something yeah. like genocide happening and and the unfortunate truth in Sudan is that the the tribal groups with all the power uh, are the the Arab groups, and literally since the slave trade, they have been uh, oppre- oppressing and killing the black African Christians who live in their country. Um, and it continues to this day right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there, there is wholesale wholesale slaughter going on and ethnic cleansing on the basis of the color of people's skin. People yeah. are considered too black. And I, I don't really think we get to call ourselves human if we kind of hide from the reality that is that is going on, and unfortunately, uh, we are just too easily distracted by other things that really don't matter so much.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and as you said, you, you, you know, you and your husband and I, and I know, have have started organizations, which uh, again, uh, like you said, you you've gone into to these countries, you've made, you've developed relationships, you've developed friendships, and you've developed trust. I mean, like you said, these people. Really want you to tell their story, and and I think that that is the whole value if we can tell the story. But uh, you founded Waging Peace, a London-based organization campaigns for human rights. But you, but that's for, that's everywhere. I mean, and I think uh, you know uh, this commission I attended at the UN was you know human trafficking, human slave trafficking. We're just uh, you know I'm, I'm speaking to another. Uh, Female, another woman author, female author, and she was saying, you know, my book, they wouldn't look at my book uh, ten years ago on human trafficking because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the kind of topic they wanted to publish. Now they're publishing her book, so I, I'm just, I'm curious as to what we as, as uh, activists, and I think that's, this is the challenge. This is, uh, you know, and, and I'm, um, my, my, the piece that I have is women connecting for good is, is creating a challenge to people that what they can do to make a difference but what is it what is it you think that we're missing or that we can do at this point to really start to uh, educate and to really uh, challenge people to take up the baton to to really help when it comes to just human rights in any country especially those countries that, that need more resources
1: yeah, and the, you make a very good point. But the the thing is, it really doesn't take an awful lot of effort. Nor does nor does it involve us having to invade other countries. You know, no. we always underestimate the amount of leverage that that we have uh, in a country like Sudan, where this ethnic cleansing continues. The truth of it is that they actually want to be accepted at the you know at the UN and among the big boys of the international community. And they desperately want things like the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. They want access uh, to these organizations, and we underestimate the power we have to deny them uh, credibility and yeah. respectability and What we need to do, basically the first thing we need to do is is remind our president and our elected officials that the slaughter continues in Sudan and that uh, you know put it back on their agenda. And I know a lot of us think, oh, well, what what difference does my email or my letter or my phone call make? But let me tell you, when I used to work for the BBC uh, in London, if we got six letters on any subject, we considered that each of those letters represented a million people who intended to write but never quite got round to it. Oh, that's a good Uh, point. You know, we do have power if we choose to exercise it, and it doesn't mean that you have to suspend your life and become some kind of saint in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, yeah. All of us, if we want to, can change the world in, in really simple ways. Uh, uh, here's an example. Um, you know, I, uh, As you mentioned, you know, I founded a human rights organization, but I also think that it's voyeuristic to go to these places and not to do something. So uh-huh. we've also set up a charity called Network for Africa, that has projects working with uh, women who have survived genocide and who are trying to rebuild their lives. Mm-hmm. And we ask them, we, we have the humility to ask them what they think they need rather than trying to impose a, a Western solution right. on them. Right. And, yes. you know, usually it's incredibly, I mean, you know about this, it's incredibly simple things that can transform a person's life. Like, sure. for instance, solar lamps, you know, we, um, this is a simple thing that people can do. For $47, we can provide a genocide widow with a solar lamp, and that means she can work and study after dark. It means she's less likely to be attacked in her hut. It means that her children aren't, aren't at risk of falling into a fire. And, you know, fires in Africa kill more children every year than malaria does. It, it means the kids don't get respiratory and eye problems. And here's the good bit solar lamp for $47 is also a business because that woman can then charge people's cell phones with her solar lamp. So for a simple gesture, you know, you've completely transformed somebody's life.
0: Yeah, and 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 it can be done so easily. Uh, you know, this micro banking has um, has become quite a quite a thing too. Th- of course, helping women with just small, mini loans to start their own businesses. And I noticed on your website that uh, you they're making products that that can be exported and sold. And, and of course, I think that's the one thing you 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 can teach a person. Once you pr- teach a person to fish, you know they 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 can survive. You know. But if you give them a fish, it's a much different thing. But what you're saying is that if we can start to give them the things that can help them to live uh, quality lives and to give them some hope. Uh, you know, education, again, is such a, it, it is a crucial piece, uh, you know, in, in that particular area. Uh, of course, we heard that girls' schools, I mean, you started a girls' school as well, which is, um, or it's a school for, for children as well. It's boys and girls, are not that for both?
1: Yeah, we're teaching um, genocide survivors in Rwanda, um, but we also uh, have a project, actually the women who make the the necklaces that we export to the USA, they can be bought from an excellent American company called Doncaster, um, Uh and um, those necklaces mean that those women are able to earn a living and to educate and feed their children. And that is where you break the cycle of poverty. Uh, But we also uh, teach those women to read and write. And it is simply the most beautiful thing you will ever witness to see what happens to a woman who has been illiterate all her life when she finally gets the gift of literacy. Because not only does she learn practical things, uh, like being able to take care of her money better and be less exploited by men, uh, but she also gains confidence, and my African friends call this sharp elbows. You know, she learns uh, to negotiate her way through life and through her family and through her relationships with a new confidence that means she is no longer put upon. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, of course, in previously when these women have, have been raped and so forth, they've been shunned and, and other things. This gives them a chance to truly uh, to not only survive but to thrive in, in, in this difficult situation. So so again the the book though is is one of stories of triumph and you know I was truly touched by the compassion of these people the simplicity but really the compassion of these people that they you know the simplicity but the compassion that, that this this part- these particular people had and I think that's what sh- what touched me the most is that of, of all the things that have happened to them, they're, they are able to go forward. They are, they are able to, to, to thrive in, in these situations. What, what is different about this particular culture? And, and like you said, these are stories of, of many countries, but what, what do you think, uh, what are the advantages or what are some of the char- strong character characteristics of, of these particular women that really they, that we can all learn from?
1: I think they, um, the overriding thing that hits you when you talk to them is just how resilient these people are. Yeah. Um, you know, they are used to having no water, no electricity, no schools, no hospitals. They're used to the fact that, you know, most women will have a one in ten chance of dying in childbirth. You know, they are used to having absolutely nothing. And yet, you know, they start every day singing as they walk to the well to get the water. And if ever you ask them what their priority in life is, it is always to educate and feed their children. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, I've, I've interviewed people uh, who've lost everything. They've been gang raped, they're, they're HIV positive, they've seen their children killed in front of them, yeah. and yet they have taken in orphans, even though they have nothing. And when I've said to them, why did you do this? Because it must've made your life more difficult they look at me like i'm crazy and they say but it's the right thing to do yeah. So there's just this incredible resourcefulness linked to the point you made about about a deep morality uh... that makes me realize that for all our politicians who go on about family values i really wonder if they know what they're talking about yeah. because you know that the family values i've seen from and the strength of these women is just overwhelming uh, combined with an incredible self-awareness, which is remarkable considering you know, they don't live in a culture that constantly analyzes themselves or, or watches television. And I'm thinking of a, a woman I interviewed in, in a hellish situation in a refugee camp in uh, Sudan, and she wasn't able to sit down because three weeks previously she had been gang-raped and she still was in such pain she couldn't sit. But she said to me, it's nice of you to send... Uh, the food here, you know, America, uh-huh. but what we really, you know, she said we're Africans and we're used to coping without much food, but what we really need is for you to take the guns away from the people who are killing us,
0: uh-huh. and of course,
1: sadly, that's the thing we haven't done.
0: Yeah, and that's a sadly the thing that, that, again, that we think that's not going on, so, so again, is to to bring that to to the forefront. You know the resilience you talk about from of these people, but I but what I read in the pages and and what you continue to talk about is the connection, the the true uh, Christian connection they have of helping others. No matter no matter what the you know no matter how much I have, I'm still going to help you in some way. And these people people's connection and support of one, o- one another to me. Uh, the story of the young woman who who took care of her, her nephew her cousin cousin had been murdered in a in a in a raid, and she was taking care of the the little baby boy you know and it just it just touched me that you know here she was struggling and trying to survive and, and fearful fearful of her own life and safety, but yet you know she she took this child and and she cared for this child and carried him day after day and Brought him into the clinic And, and uh, unfortunately, you know, his, his injuries were so such that You know, but, but again, the loss was severe for her I mean, again, that connection just seems to be the strength That they have with one another Is that when they can connect and, and really, truly feel support from one another And talk about not being alone You know, being connected, not being alone And I think that's what we, as a global society Have to understand Is that we're connected whether we like it or not you know, we are all connected, and if one country is struggling, we're all struggling. We're all responsible. You know, and and I say that in my own community because I'm involved in different projects. You know, in every community there's poverty, in every community there's abuse, in every community there are human rights issues that we all need to be aware of. And and I, you know, I know people that put their heads in the sand. They're 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 too busy worrying about their own. Own issues and and they do put their head in the sands, but but we all have I think we all have I think we're all in this together, don't you think?
1: Yeah, that is absolutely it. And in the case of Africa, there there are really uh, there are reasons why we should engage and why she we should care, and they're self-interested reasons. The first reason is that uh, the war on terror is if we're actually serious about this, then we have to confront uh, Al Qaeda. In Africa, because it's making enormous inroads there. While we are, you know, involved in the Middle East, in Africa, Africans are paying the price. Christians are being killed all the time, and um, um, Islam is radical Islam of a most unpleasant sort. Is very organised in Africa. The the second reason is uh, for being involved in Africa is because of climate change, causing drought, yeah, and because uh, I know of
0: put out an appeal for, uh, for help right. there. Yeah.
1: Okay, but because of climate change and because also of war and genocide, thousands and thousands of people are, uh, look, are leaving and looking for work elsewhere. Now, they didn't realize, before the Internet, they didn't realize that we lived lives of such comparative richness compared with them, but now they do know, and now they are going to emigrate to a country near us. And it's already happening in Europe, and it will eventually happen in America. So we have an interest in making Africa prosperous and peaceful, so they right. stay there. And then there's a third reason, uh, and incidentally, China is already so involved uh, in making money out of Africa, and the third reason that we should care is that we could make a lot Products because they far more identify with every aspect of our culture. Yeah. So we yeah. have self-interested reasons to be involved there.
0: Yeah, but but again, how do we help them to again what they the, their founding fathers and their their culture, their beliefs and things that are, they value continue to thrive and that have helped them to thrive throughout uh, you know the centuries that how they can can make their generation out out of generation have pride. And what they, you know, who they are and what they have too, so that they do stay. You know, it's the 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 answer is not for everyone to leave, but so to somehow continue to develop those roots and make those roots even deeper in their own countries. But but of course, to do so, they they have to have those guns disappear. They have to have the support of the government and and uh, the the world itself and become in, involved in the world economy, the global economy. So yeah, it's it's definitely it's. Uh, uh, you know, it's a you know we call it the trickle down effect, but it's it's definitely we're we it affects our economy. We if any anyone's economy struggles, we all struggle. I I found that out in Europe. You know, with the euro and everything else, we're we're connected. Our dollars are connected. Our euro. Our every every financial institution is connected, and 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 government uh, agencies as well. So, you know, it, it's a it's a delicate process, but. But again, I think what's important is there are people such as yourself, Rebecca, that are out there doing, uh, doing some tremendous work, and, and again, bringing awareness. And that's part of it. That's that's so much of it, is to bring awareness to the rest of us that that are sitting around going, "Gee, I know I could do something, but I don't know really know what I can do." And and, and I found that out true that truly that people really do want to help, but a lot of times they really don't know how. So how would they That's get involved absolute, with
1: this? That is absolutely so. Well, the first thing to mention is that if people buy my novel, "When the Stars Fall to Earth," um, all the profits go to supporting our projects in Africa with survivors of genocide. So you know there's, you're doing a good act just by buying the novel. It's called "When the Stars Fall to Earth," and you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, and there's a website that goes with it, which is "Stars Fall to Earth." Uh, the other thing people could do if they, if they want to be involved in the simple baby steps, uh, like buying a solar lamp, for instance, for uh, a genocide widow in Rwanda, is please to go to our website, networkforafrica.org, and that's network and then the number for Africa.org and they will find lots of very practical ways that they might want to support, uh, and you don't have to be Bill Gates to do this. Yeah. But there was one thing that I would, one thought I'd like to leave you with, and that, that's something actually that you just said, Dr. Nancy, and that is about how we're all connected. If there's one bit of knowledge that we should have taken out of the 20th century, it is that if we do not stand up to genocide when it occurs, if we keep denying it's happening, and if we appease the people who commit genocide, then one day genocide comes to a country near us, and we end up having to send our sons and daughters to defend us. Yeah. And that is the lesson of history, unfortunately.
0: And and, and, and such a slam to human rights in, in all ways and shapes and forms, to, to yeah. the value of, of a human life, no matter... What the sex or age or or, or the religion is, is so so very very important that we value human life and and, and lift it up and, and help everyone to understand that throughout the world, it is so very very important. Well, well, Rebecca, you know we you have a website, I have a website. You know by linking to you and for us continuing to get information out through our different websites and by our different connections, uh, different organizations you know we can we can we can continue to get this information out there so i uh, i this connect women connecting for good i would like to stay connected with you uh... have a link on our website that people could go to they could buy your book uh, they could also look at ways uh, look at the ways that whether it's purchasing a solar lamp or something else they can do to help by joining in the in the fight for human rights throughout the world I think that's what's important here and that's what the value of all that we're both doing. So, I want to congratulate you. Are are there any other websites that you would like to direct people to? But again, I think what we'd like to do is is to create a link directly for you on our website so that we can start to uh, take up, uh, you know, to help you and, and help all of us in this respect.
1: Thank you so much, and I, I, I also mention this company, this great American company called Doncaster, uh, D-O-N-C-A-S-T-E-R dot com, who are selling uh, the necklaces made now, by Doncaster
0: our... is a clothing uh, manufacturer. That's right. Yep. Is this the yep, same company? That's right. Really?
1: Uh, it is indeed. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, yep. um, I'll be. I'll, I've been. I've had the pleasure of buying some of their clothing, so I'm, I'm feeling very good about that. So. I think that's wonderful. Well, I'm glad to hear companies are doing that. Every oh, company should do are,
1: that. Yep, they are fantastic. They understand that they have to have an ethical element to their business.
0: Every company should have that same feeling, same 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 method of doing business by helping others. Uh, not amen. To, amen. Amen. Rebecca, um, I'm going to have um, Kathy Evans get back in touch with you. She's my assistant, but we will stay connected. Um, I'm, I've been looking at your different websites. The forty-seven dollars and for a solar light can change a person's life, and I, I think that's money well spent. And and hopefully there's ways that women, that, uh, maybe there's ways that some of these women connect with these women. Is there a way to do that personally for any the, if any if any woman does want to help in some respect, is there a way that she might again have some conversation with a woman down the road that might help? understand how she's impacting just a little bit
1: well there's a language barrier unfortunately Um, but we do teach English in an English language school um, to to Rwandans who are very very keen to learn English so if there's anybody out there who is uh, you know a teacher uh, and and would like to volunteer to work in one of our schools we would love to have them
0: absolutely well, you know, anymore, they can translate anything, anything in the written language can be translated very quickly into something else. So I think those are things also as far as things to, to kind of consider as far as keeping people connected. But but again, I think what our goal is is to continue to help uh, you get the word out for this information to be, uh, it doesn't do us any good to have information if if everybody doesn't have it. So uh congratulations on your book it's very well it 's very well written it's the stories are very moving they 're very touching uh there's a lot of uh, emotion after i was finished uh uh you know it, it, it <laughs> i i think i will still have to kind of let let a lot of what i 've read uh, digest a little bit more to really con- think about it how it made me feel but uh again it was a very moving book and i know that Every dollar of what uh, is spent for this book goes to help others.
1: That's the idea.
0: That is the idea. Well, women connect for good, and I'm glad I connected with you, Rebecca. Best wishes, and we will stay connected.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Have a great day. Thank you or a great Thank evening. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Bless Thanks. you.
1: Bye.